We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, they lost again. Uh, it's now three to two. I mean, you were obviously we were really hoping the Suns were going to win this one at home, but but now we got to go back to LA. How you doing? Let's start. I there. mean, yeah, I felt good before this one, so I feel you know. I, I knew this was possible. I obviously knew this was possible, but man, I really wanted this one. I really wanted this one. I did not want to go back to L.A. And the Clippers, my Clippers, some might say, <laughs> uh, an, an uproarious uh, statement from them, a statement game that they demand to be taken seriously. I think collectively, like the Suns from a game plan, from an execution standpoint, Monty, Chris Paul, a lot, a lot of players, but also us fans. Yeah. Did not really take the Clippers seriously going into this game. I mean, we had DeAndre Ayton granny shots in pregame from half court, which is very impressive for the record. And I even quoted it at the time. I said, league fucked. But it's like, you know, that was kind of our mindset before the game. I was thinking at the time when, when ESPN, whichever reporter posted that, I was thinking, you know, this is this is going to look pretty bad if they, if they lose tonight. And sure enough, I mean, yeah, it's just you can kind of say that the Suns did not take the Clippers seriously. Maybe their heads already thinking about the Bucks a little bit too much. I don't know, but yeah, now yeah. we got to go back to LA, and it it all becomes harder. Yeah, it's it's tough to get in the mindset of any of these guys, but I think there is an element of we got the home court tonight, so we got this. Um, but you know, beyond that, Paul George had probably his best game of the playoffs so far. Uh, 15 for 20 field goal percentage. This was like this is kind of what we were waiting for as far as him having a great game. He's played well in every game so far, but this is this is a superstar game. He had 41 points on 20 shots essentially uh, because of his ability to pull it from three, but also get to that mid range, get to the rim, get to the free throw line, did it all in this game, including six assists 
even though he had six turnovers. Uh, but that's the thing about superstars, right? They have the ball so much, I don't judge the turnover thing. Uh, the 41 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, three steals. That's what they needed in order to win. It's a little bit, it's a little bit worrisome. I think that all of the Suns' wins have been eked out, and the two Clippers' wins so far have been by double digits plus. Um, but I, I, I guess part doesn't of that, help the narrative. So I'll, I'll tell you that I don't give a shit if they win the series, but no, there are going to be narratives about that on abs- the timeline. Yeah, absolutely not. If they win, they win. Who cares? But uh, you know, I just more thinking about the next game and how the Suns are mm-hmm. going to play in the next game. Uh, there, I have some thoughts on this game. What was the first thing that stood out to you about about how the Suns played and how the Clippers took advantage of it? Well, let's just continue on the topic of Paul George because I mean he runs their offense. We know that, and I thought tonight was. Um, he's had a really good series in general, but tonight was a clear demonstration of he's going to take whatever the Suns throw at him and, and I said, bend it to his will. That's the way I described it on Twitter tonight. Like, you know, they want to switch on Paul George a lot of the time. And for the most part, I thought, you know, when guys like Booker switch onto him, he's, he's done a good job of, of just staying up front, playing solid one-on-one defense, not not being victimized too much. Um, Marcus Morris is another guy we got to talk about at some point, by the way, because he was a killer tonight. Um, but when the Suns switched, Paul George made difficult shots, as we know he he can. Um, towards the end of the game, the Suns started getting a little bit more desperate. They they trapped, they blitzed, and I mean Paul George, like credit to him, he's not a uh, terrific playmaker. He's not one of the first fifteen players in the NBA I think of when I think of like good pick and roll playmaking. But in those situations, sucked in the defense, drew the double, got the Suns scrambling. You know, found the open man. Maybe maybe he didn't get credited for the initial assist, but he got hockey assists that way. Um, and the Clippers were able to rotate and hit threes. And so it was kind of like no matter what the Suns did on defense, I don't think defense was the issue for the Suns tonight so much as, yeah, they could have cleaned some things up on that end. But um, but their defensive game plan, I, I think it was kind of just clear that the Clippers were the Clippers were a challenge. The Clippers just looked good on offense. And and so just to turn it back around on you, because some, like, some Suns fans have asked me this, you know, I, I think the Clippers shot 33% from deep tonight. They shot 16% from deep last game. They shot 35% from deep in Game 3. These are not the Clippers I'm used to seeing. Uh, The Clippers I'm used to seeing are uh, just a terrific shot-making team that hits like every available wing and corner three, and that's what makes them so dangerous. But also, that was the regular season when they had Kawhi Leonard. Do you kind of... Like, are you satisfied with the way the Suns are playing Paul George? And like, if he eats, he eats? Or do you think they should transform what they did towards the end of this game, which is just to blitz him and get the ball out of his hands, and do that for the entire game next time, and then you live with corner shooters if they go berserk? What do you think? Yeah, I think that Paul George is so up and down with how he plays sometimes that you kind of have to read the scenario and figure out what kind of game he's having and make the adjustment quickly because there are moments in this game where they just stopped running screens and and he was just isoing one-on-one and hitting from mid-range over and over and over again and at that point you go okay this is one of his this is this is a different Paul George you gotta really change what you're doing and even you know you brought him up that's what happened with Marcus Morris to start the game he hit six or seven shots in a row basically and the Suns ended up having to trap him and throw a second guy at him and get the ball out of his out of his hands as much as possible this team will make you rotate if you do that. And and the, the real moral of this game is the real thing that changed it is Zubac's knee injury uh, in a lot of ways because 
Zubac had started the last few games and just did not start in this game, and they and they went extremely small in that starting lineup. Essentially, offensively, they essentially played Terrence Mann at center, so much so that the Suns were starting out possessions with DeAndre Ayton on Terrence Mann for a significant amount of time in this game. Uh, and Terrence Mann is very good in that role. He sets the screens. He rolls to that mid middle of the floor area, and then they just start the ball swinging, and the and the swing finds the open man. That that becomes very difficult for the Suns to play. And look, if the Suns are gonna go against that, and the Clippers are gonna hit a bunch of shots to start the game, it really would take like if the Clippers start missing those shots, but they which they did as the game rolled on, it really would take Paul George kind of exploding and catching fire in this game for them to maintain their lead throughout. And the Suns could never chip away at it. That's really the moral of the story of the game. But I think that Zubac, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to be healthy for the next game. They're calling it a sprained MCL. But in a lot of ways, the Suns are probably hoping for that. And I think there's the the likelihood is that Ty Lue kind of figures something out there. And even if he's healthy, I doubt that Zubac starts for the next game. I mean, the big thing is just that Zubac's not playing gives you such an obvious advantage. It's well, and it's not even just that. Here's the frustrating thing about it: we, we knew the Clippers coming in. Yes, their backs are against the wall. Yes, they're feeling the desperation of a of a closeout game scenario. But it was their 18th game in 38 nights, and they were down their best big. They had no rim protection in theory, right? And they should have had no rebounding in theory, except for the small stretches where they played Boogie and he he destroyed us. But the Suns just should have won the energy battle all night. It it should have been clear and decisive that the Suns were willing to attack the glass and get a a, a strong advantage over the Clippers. And also, (laughs) we talked about this on the last episode, get to the rim! Here's here's the one stat of the game that I think really describes actually what happened. 58 points in the paint for the Clippers, 32 points in the paint for the Suns. That cannot happen when their best rim protector is out. It cannot happen. And... You know, I think some of that is about Aiton. Some of it is not about Aiton. And and where you want to take the conversation from there, I'll kind of leave up to you. But, but like, what did you think about that divide between the two teams in general? I think um, that I want to credit the Clippers and the, the personnel that they have for that because I think what's difficult about that is they have the right guys, the right guys to guard Devin Booker mostly. By the way, a wasted good Devin Booker game in this game. I thought he was really good in this game. And, um, you know, 31 points is what he ended with, three assists, two steals, and he was, let's see, nine for 22. So 31 points on 22 shots. I mean, that's that's really good. I, it sucks to lose a game where he plays that well considering how well they've been playing him. And in a sense, that's good for the future, right? It means he figured some things out and he could play better in the next game and maybe some other guys will play a little better on that. But they have the right guys to defend the first maybe and second option for the Suns and the Suns don't really have a third guy to give it to to attack that we talked about that a little bit in our last episode like it would be nice if Aiton could catch it 18 19 feet away and attack it'd be nice if Mikhail Bridges or Jay Crowder could uh, catch it 18 19 feet away and attack by the way can I throw something at you uh, adjustment wise for the next game tell me if I'm crazy or not start Cameron Johnson in Jay Crowder's place what do you think I mean, he had a good game, but he's so much better at attacking them on their rotations than Jay Crowder because of his ability to put the ball on the floor. 
whereas Jay Crowder can't do that. Jay Crowder, once again, 0 for 4 from 3. Another bad shooting night for him, but also defensively, Jay Crowder's been sort of up and down in this series as well. I think he's had his good moments, uh, but there are times I think they take advantage of him. Uh, maybe his. Did you notice? Yeah. Did you notice Jay had six assists tonight? I did not even notice. That. I didn't Looking notice at the stat that, line. No. Um, I don't know. I think it's a bit of an overreaction. I think Jay played twenty-seven minutes. Uh, Cam played twenty-three. I think we're right around maybe where we need to be. Um, actually, that's that's kind of weird. Sorry, I'm just kind of gathering my thoughts on the box score. Here, let me here. just say, let me just say why I think that this could work. Um, I, I'll just bring it up again. They have guys for the first option. They have guys for the second option. If the ball swings to the guy in the third option, either if they're a great three-point shooter, they're probably going to have the space to make that shot. If they're not a great three-point shooter, uh, like Mikael Bridges and Jay Crowder sort of have been, the difference between Mikael Bridges and Jay Crowder and Cameron Johnson is the speed of which he, they're willing to shoot the shots. Uh, if they cannot attack quickly... Uh, that's going to hurt the Suns. I think Cameron Johnson puts the kind of pressure on, puts the kind of pressure on the Clippers that they're going to be forced to guard him on the perimeter. And if they close out too hard, he will get guys in foul trouble where Jay Crowder and Mikael Bridges won't. And like maybe it's an overreaction to start him, but I think that he's made the case to give him uh, more minutes in this in this series because he just puts the right kind of pressure on them that I think the Suns need for spacing and also mm-hmm. to get to the rim. Well, so I agree on the more minutes thing because, like, Abdul Nader played another nine minutes tonight. I don't need to to talk about that too much. He's probably done. I mean, we finally saw Craig play well. (laughs) And I I said it in the last game, I didn't expect him to play this game, and he did. I think he might be done. Yeah, I think he might be done. But those nine minutes, like, again, why is he out there? He needs to be attacking. If he's not, then he's not doing anything. And so I think those nine minutes can go to Cam Johnson pretty easily. Um, Sounds like you're making a case for campaign to start. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> too though if you want just like third dynamic guy who can attack a closeout uh, campaign 13 they would minutes, never do that 13 minutes by the way tonight and that's actually kind of interesting you're, you're talking about starting a three guard lineup i would no i wouldn't actually do it i'm just saying you know if, if your logic is and i know you don't want to give up stuff on the other end cam johnson has been very sound defensively yeah um but yeah if i mean we haven't really seen the three guard lineup I don't think a single minute this series. The Clippers but. are very good at attacking mismatches. And I say I will say Cameron Payne, 13 minutes. I think he was... Okay, there were two guys that had a positive plus minus tonight. Cameron Payne and Dario Saric. And it's because they played a small amount of minutes. If they played more plus minutes... Plus minus, I always say, it never lies. Yeah, it always Saric, tells exactly best, the truth. Best uh, player on the floor. <laughs> I actually think that stretch with Dario Saric <laughs> in the second half was good. I thought the Suns were playing smart defensively. They they played a pseudo zone in those minutes, and Saric did a relatively good job. Offensively, he's kind of a disaster, but I think he was in the right places more often than not there in the second half. But Cameron Payne, they are attacking him. Uh, they are attacking him defensively and putting him in positions that, to get kind of blown by, and that's tough because they have so many guys that are big and strong on their roster, and uh, that makes it tough for him to to defend relatively well. But also, I think that's not the reason necessarily he's playing 13 minutes. I also think that that's probably because of his injury. I, I have a feeling they're, they're limiting his minutes here, and it would help the Suns a lot if he could play more, especially because Chris Paul who I think had a better game tonight, um, 
but he needs to push the pace more. And when Cameron Payne came in in the first quarter, there was a clear difference in the pace, and the Suns were finding easy shots when he was on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they lived and died by Chris Paul in a lot of ways. I mean, I know Booker had the big game and, and whatever, but Paul is the guy who dictates what you're doing on offense. He really dictates that pace. And when the Suns were making runs, like in the second quarter, in the third quarter when they took the lead for a little bit, it was because Chris Paul was getting to his spots, he was hitting shots. <laughs> and then uh, this was just a game of runs. I know basketball is always a game of runs. You always say that. But like it really was frustrating the way the Suns got it so close and then back up to Clippers uh, by 10 or 12. And every time it felt like just every possession with with the ball in Paul's hands was so monumental uh, in importance. And, and when he when he screwed up, he had a couple of unsightly turnovers tonight, too, that he doesn't usually make. I'm not going to hold those against him like long term. But um, the half-court offense for the Suns in general just has been bad. So any transition opportunities you can get are a good idea. I actually think that's why uh, when Monty went to that lineup in the, I can't even remember, the third quarter, late third quarter, yeah, when he, he put Booker over a point guard and he surrounded him with Torrey Craig, Jay Crowder. Uh, Nader. Nader. <laughs> and who was the fourth guy? Brit- Bridges? Or, who, yeah, who? maybe Sharich, actually. Or Sharich, Sharich, yeah. that was the other guy. Yeah, so it was, it was Booker, Nader, Crowder, Craig, and Sharich. And our buddy David on Twitter, he was like, there's not a lot of shooting in that lineup. That's that's fair. That's a fair criticism. There's not a lot of shooting in that lineup. But I think the the being an advocate for it, it sort of made sense to me, at least in theory, of like, hey, let's be physical. Uh, let's Let's put pressure on the ball. Let's get some stops, and then let's get out and run. I don't think the Suns actually capitalized on any of those opportunities, but in theory, the idea sounds you need to run when Chris Paul isn't in the game, and, and at least they tried. Uh, the other part of that is I think campaign was scored on two possessions in a row right before that, um, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I, I may be misremembering it, but I'm pretty sure it was right before that. So I think that was part of the reason as well is Monty was trying to find the right thing defensively because I think that was the biggest issue uh, for the Suns is defense in this game. I think they struggled a little bit. Uh, you think the game. biggest issue was defense in this game? Do you Really? 116 points given up to the Clippers and 36 points in the first quarter. Yeah, I think they need to be more prepared defensively. Uh, I it, think that's, I think, I think games, uh, what game was this? Five? Was this mm-hmm. game five? Yeah. yeah. I think games three and four just did weird things to our brains. 116 points from the Clippers is, that's like who the Clippers are. But that's not that's who what the I Suns expected. are. You know, giving up I, 116 points like that. I am much more concerned about 102 points from the Suns. <laughs> yeah, it's both. I mean, it is both. But I think I think the offense kind of it. It just hasn't bothered me as much as I've thought. I think some of it. So, is, you, mm-hmm. no, sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, some of it is less Cameron Payne than I would like. Right? If I if I thought they were playing this bad and Cameron Payne was getting 25 minutes, 26 minutes, I, it would feel a little different. I just think with the personnel that's on the floor, and I'm not. I don't know why they are on the floor. Like, right, maybe Cameron Payne not playing as much in the second half was a decision, and it wasn't based on his ankle. Uh, you know, that I would like to see more if he feels healthy, more Cameron Payne. I think that would help a lot. Um, and just those types of decisions, I think, bothered me a little bit less. I Especially, particularly the first half, I thought the Suns were actually getting some good shots, and they just were not dropping. And on the other end the Clippers were hitting everything and and part of that was because of the way that the Suns were defending them. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Would the Suns have won this game if they had drafted Wendell Carter? <laughs> I'm kidding. I just, I, you know, it's a loss. I got to troll a little bit, feed into the hysteria. Well, let me um, let me just say this: we didn't talk about Aiton yet, and and we that's should, that was going to be my segue into it. Yeah. yeah, we should talk about DeAndre Aiton because was this his first bad game of this series? I mean, I mean, I so I talked about. Look, I understand. Some Paul George out rebounded him. <laughs> Right, so that's yeah. I mean, you got to call a spade a spade sometimes. Suns fans are frustrated. They want Aiton to get the ball. This is a conversation we've rehashed a million times. We can you know talk about it here too. I, I think it's just difficult. I think it's a combination of it. it's more difficult to get the by um to get the guy the ball when they're switching as much as they do when they're playing as small as they do. We anticipated that coming into the series. We talked about it. It's you know uh, Aiton's better than Gobert, but it's the Gobert issue. It's still gonna rear its head sometimes. Um, but on top of that. The Suns don't trust him in those positions. We kind of know that. Like, regardless of, you know, maybe maybe you disagree with that. Maybe it's a decision coming from Monty. Maybe it's a decision coming more from Chris Paul and Devin Booker. But they kind of don't trust him with the ball in those situations. And it is what it is. Now, the energy yes. is something that Aiton can control. That is something that is entirely in his realm. And, and it is up to him to dictate that. And so, yes, I was very disappointed just with... with Aiton's lack of activity because I mean that was the one area where you came into this game no Zubats and I was thinking great the Suns need to win the physicality battle and they will because DeAndre Aiton has been so good at this this series and he really has yeah um tonight he had 11 rebounds three of them offensive but I just don't think that tells a story um he just he he was he was getting lost out there sometimes for sure he's getting lost I think on the on the boards and I think defensively and just like general effort and transition I think wasn't there like it was in previous games, and look, he's not the only guy that we need more out of. I think uh, Jay Crowder, Mikael Bridges, basically everybody on the starters, but Devin Booker. We're, Definitely we're, need more out of Mikael Bridges. I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah, we're, yeah, and and look, he's been kind of. I think in a way, he's probably losing some money at this point <laughs> in his con- future contract uh, because of the yeah. way he's been playing in the playoffs yeah. so far. Which I guess you can spin in a way is good for the Suns, but. If you're not if you're not capable of getting the ball to DeAndre and by swinging it to him because their defense is so fast and so quick to react, then he needs to get more offensive rebounds. It's kind of inexcusable that he had less in this game than the previous game, considering the lineups that he was on the floor with. It's up to him to bring that energy. And look, it's partially on the Suns too, the rest of the guys on the floor, because 
The Clippers just did better at rebounding the ball together in this game. Now, the overall rebounding numbers, I don't know that they might be close to the same. But yeah, I think they're the same. um, The Suns out-rebounded by one overall. They did have seven offensive rebounds to LA's two. Yeah. That's not that much, though. Seven is not that much. Yeah, Dario Saric, Torrey Craig. uh, That's as many as, as DeAndre Ayton had in the last game, right? Did he have seven or eight? Uh, um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the, it's it's kind of inexcusable that he needs to do that, but and it's up to him to just remain focused defensively. Uh, I'm not sure what it is. We know DeAndre, and sometimes he just he loses his focus a little bit. I think if he comes into the game and plays like he did in the first five, I'm sorry, the first four games in the next game, the Suns will have a much better chance of winning. It's it's tough when they. Uh, basically take him out of the game. They're playing him out of the game entirely. And there was a point in the game where I thought the Suns should even try a no center lineup because it just felt like a a no a no lose scenario. Yes, maybe you lose the game, but they were probably going to lose the game anyway at that point, and you have to try something to defend them. At that point, it almost didn't matter because Paul George was just ISOing anyway. But I just expect more out of him, and I think Monty might have to do some things to, to get in his head a little bit and, and make sure he's more focused for the next game. Well, I will say we've seen this battle with DeAndre before. I'm glad to have gotten to a point, though, where I I really do trust that he's... I mean, he's traditionally bounced back well from bad games in the first place. We are hard on him because we know what his potential could be. But I think for the most part, when he's had bad games, even in the regular season, because he sleepwalks sometimes, like every fifth or every fifth game or something, um, he'll come back and he'll play well. He needs to do that now in the playoffs. I will say the basketball gods um, are a fickle bunch they do not take kindly to hubris. And so perhaps the pregame <laughs> granny shot. I think he does that, that every game. I was referencing game. earlier. <laughs> I think he does that every game. Does he do that every game? I'm pretty I was sure. Say, cursed I'm pretty us. Sure yeah. Cursed us, man. Uh, can I say this? I th- I, I'd be surprised if Monty didn't try more Sarge in the next game. I that's uh that's horrifying and now i'm gonna have nightmares thank you <laughs> I'm i would you, rather i think they i think those minutes went relatively well but, and i think if you put them on the floor with the starters and you have the kind of ball movement that the clippers are having essentially i think that might work you had an interesting idea that i liked uh throughout tonight where you were like uh i mean the suns were down like 12 or 13 at yeah. this point yeah. it was five minutes left in the game you were like hey this this isn't working let's try something else this would be you said well just explain what you said yeah i just thought i just thought it was time i I mentioned it just a second ago too i just thought it was time for the suns to to basically play no center i guess it for the suns it would be some sort of combination of chris paul and devin booker like you start there you can't take those guys out then you have mikhail bridges and jay crowder most likely and then that that other guy could be uh tory craig or it could be uh, Cameron Johnson, or if you're Monty, it could be Abdul Nader, uh, I guess as well. But most likely, I think it would be either Cameron Johnson or Torrey Craig. I think at that point of the game, Torrey Craig was kind of rolling, so you give Torrey Craig a chance. Also, he's the better rebounder. I think there yeah. is even a case for taking out Mikel Bridges, uh, who I think is struggling a little bit. Same with Jay Crowder and putting Cameron Johnson in there. Well, with Torrey to that Craig. point, Mikael only played 28 minutes tonight. Yeah. So when you when you mentioned a few minutes ago, he's losing money. Yeah, he's losing money. I mean, he's been an all-reliable, steady presence throughout most of the playoffs. He hits shots. I don't think he's been bad, but we really haven't gotten a game kind of all playoffs where Mikhail has really popped. 
yeah. uh, off the screen to me. And so, you know, that's that's kind of an issue. But about Tory Craig, I was going to say that's the guy who gets more minutes at the five if, you know, if I'm in charge. I've been impressed with Craig, and, I you know, I've beat the dead horse about Craig versus Nader maybe a little bit too much, but Craig at his best is, like, almost as good of a rebounder as DeAndre Ayton. Almost, not not quite, but, like, his playoff stats have kind of been that good. He's averaging, like three offensive rebounds per 36 or something, something really good for a guy who's 6'7". Um, I take it, though, you would rather see Dario play more than than Craig in small ball? No, I think I'd be okay with either one of those things. I just, when I say I think Dario is going to play more minutes, I'm just trying more to predict what Monty is going to do. And I, I you're not honestly... Trying to, you're not trying to take the heat for, <laughs> for when he actually does it. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I just think the way that it went with him in this game, I think it didn't look that bad and if Monty's going to go back and watch tape for the record I haven't obviously we're recording this immediately after the game so maybe I'm just seeing things but my first reaction to that is uh, he was moving his feet well he was standing in in places that he could be sort of a playmaker offensively like I said not a great offensive showing for him but I I don't know they just did some things that I liked for the record I think that stretch was also without Patrick Beverly on the floor by the way Patrick Beverly the minutes with Patrick Beverly yeah uh made (laughs) made fun of Chris Paul when Chris Paul was potentially injured there obviously that was a little um well Plus two with Patrick Beverly. I think if you told me before the game the the Suns on, or the Clippers only won the Patrick Beverly minutes by plus two, I would have expected the Suns to win that game. I think uh, the Suns sort of played him <laughs> relatively well in this game in a way that they didn't. That's in other such games. a that's such a funny framing of the conversation though, because it's like I'm thinking about the series we've gone through, Lakers series. Okay, win the non-LeBron minutes, Denver yeah. series. Win the non-Jokic minutes, Clippers. Win when Patrick Beverly is not on the floor, please. But yeah, I mean, back to my point about wasting a really good, good Devin Booker game. Uh, it kind of sucks. By the way, Booker, I want to give credit again. Uh, he he plays defense. He gives a lot of effort defensively, but the way that they targeted him to start this game with Marcus Morris in the post. I think the Suns are probably going to be a lot faster to bring a second guy on those, try to get the ball out of his hands and give the rest of the guys a chance to rotate. And I think that is, I think if you make the case for Mikael Bridges playing more minutes, he's got the length to get into the passing lanes. Um, That's the kind of guy you want on the floor if you're going to do something like that. What do you think? I mean, no, I like textbook that is what you would want to do Mikhail Bridges is the long guy I'm just looking at his box score I noticed he had zero steals zero blocks tonight not that that necessarily means anything I think it does you can have I mean you can have like a great game with six deflections and none of them are technically a steal or a block so I'm not holding it against him but but yeah it's kind of it's kind of weird we need more out of Mikhail man especially if we're going to give him a bag need a little bit more I think you, Um, you have to find ways to turn him over you have to get the ball uh, when they're moving it around a lot, if they're going to pass as much as they did, and I think there were times well, where the Suns did well, they need to get in those passing lanes a little bit, maybe even gamble a little bit more. Especially if you're, well, yeah, I mean, you got to be careful with it, but especially if you're Mikhail and you're thinking about your own offense and you're sitting there in the corner in the half court possessions for like the thirteenth straight possession, thinking, "Shit, I'm not doing anything." <laughs> like, you know, I'm not getting the chance to attack at all. Anyway, might as well create my own offense by getting a steal and like gunning it down the floor. At least that way, I can get an easy layup. But yeah, it's been tough. It's been tough on all the wings too. You know, we know Cam Johnson played well tonight, but it hasn't always been easy for him in this series either. Jay Crowder, you talked about the um, limitations uh, of him 
early on in this episode. So yeah, I think Cameron Johnson at this point is shooting over fifty percent from three uh, in this series, and a lot of those are running the baseline, turning around, catching it, and immediately launching it. And that's just such a valuable, valuable thing against this team to be able to move into a three point shot because. Right now, we're not getting that at all from Mikael Bridges and Jay Crowder. And this is so tough to not get that at all from either one of those guys because that just takes away. It's like playing with one hand tied behind your back. It really is. Mm -hmm. You need to have guys that can go move into the spot because they they are bringing a second guy at Devin Booker. They are bringing a second guy at Chris Paul at times. And to have nobody else that can move into the spot and make that three, it's it's just been tough. Before before we start to wrap up and sign off here, I think we need to address like the big point that Suns fans may be looking for in adjustments next game is you can tell from the tone of the conversation online, here's what Suns fans are frustrated about. They see the Clippers switching and they see a lot of pick and roll, a lot of high screen pick and roll, and they see a lot of ISO. And their question to us, get asked it all the time, is what's the adjustment next game? Do you believe that the Suns offense is the Suns offense at this point in game six. And it kind of just comes down to shot making. I mean, we've, we've talked a million times about like what you can do against switches, you know, go screens, you can slip screens. You and can... they're ready for all of it. The Clippers yeah, right. are ready for all of it. So it comes down to this at the end of the day. Is this like, are there things the Suns could do? Maybe what you were talking about there, you insert Cam Johnson into the starting lineup. It gives you maybe more of an off screen shooter. It gives you other looks. I don't know, but are there things that they can really do to significantly spice up their offense in game six? Or is this a personnel issue? I know which way I lean, but well, what's your take on it? I think they could do more, like more double drag, more complicated uh, pick and roll stuff possibly could help. Um, but that's kind of why my suggestion was Cameron Johnson potentially starting is because that's just a wrinkle. I think the Clippers are not necessarily prepared to guard uh, over and over and over again. Uh, if you if you kind of throw that at them at the last second and they're prepared to play with the starters, but I don't think that's going to happen. I so, will say I was surprised the extent to which Cam's threes, uh, really all series long, the ones I can remember at least, but especially tonight, were just wide open. I mean, he's a, he's a good shooter and they really did not respect him. So if you can leverage the gravity of Booker, specifically getting to the rim a little bit, find him on some of those cross-court passes... Yeah, maybe it's uh, maybe it gives you something different than Jay, but I don't know. It's it's pretty drastic, to be honest, Mike. I don't actually think it's going to happen. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it is either. But I, I mean, maybe thirty minutes from him could happen. I just think you're getting, if you're getting one for six from three from Jay Crowder and Mikael Bridges. First of all, that's only six attempts. That's not very good. And and I think volume is sorry. Keep going. I mean, <laughs> I think part of that is that they're not hitting and, and guys like Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker maybe are starting to trust them a little bit less as this series rolls along uh, because they're just not hitting against this defense. But go ahead on your point about volume. No, sorry. Volume is just super important. People think too much about efficiency when they judge three-point shooters as a general rule, and they don't think enough about volume. I take a guy who shoots 35% on 10 three-point attempts any day over a guy who shoots 40% on three or four. It's just, you yeah. got to keep the defense honest, shoot or shoot. Even when it's frustrating the the fans and the stands, even when you're getting into a cold streak, you have to, you have to leverage that gravity somehow. And so, yeah, I mean, if, if you think Cam's going to be that guy, I mean, I point out Cam only took three attempts in 23 minutes too. So it's not like he was firing away, uh, you know, three after three, but yeah, if you think he could be that That's guy, more than Mikhail. <laughs> and, and look again, we're kind of just retracing our steps here, but like this is why Tori didn't play 
for at least a couple games, right? It's not that Nader gives you that either, really, but they weren't guarding Tory on threes, and he wasn't making them pay for it. So, yeah, I get why Monty tried something different uh, there, too. The Suns just don't have one of those shooters who's like, uh, you know, a classical J.J. Redick type yeah. who runs around. Seth Curry, you know, yeah. A Seth Curry, a Duncan Robinson, like someone who just makes well, your life one. hell. Uh, they do have one. He's not That's a good play. point. Hey, they do have one. That's a great point. Another day to be great. Get my man Langston in the game. My Langston big adjustment. will be guarding Paul George on every possession he's on I know, the floor. I know. I, and so there's there's a reason Langston can't do it. But that's actually a great point. They really do have one guy yeah. in the roster who you could just put out there and he'll just chuck up 10 or 15 of them and make half of them. That's big. But, uh, yeah, you can't afford to do it, I guess. Is there any obvious adjustment before we go here that on offense – that you're prepared to talk about right now since since you, you seem to think it's not a personnel thing necessarily, which I, I do agree with. I just, I'm no, not I necessarily think, I prepared think, no, 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 no. I think, I think it is a personnel thing. Yeah. I, I want to make that point clear. I think it mostly is a personnel thing. I think the Suns are who they are at this point and it makes Suns fans nervous going into, uh, game six isn't even an elimination game either. Like we yeah. should not be the ones feeling nervous. For the, Clippers fans, yeah. the Clippers fans should still feel nervous. Farbad, we're coming for you. But like, <laughs> <laughs> deep cut but um wh- what the hell was i gonna say what i are mean we talking about? You, you think it's a personnel thing i think ultimately oh it's a personnel thing yes yes yeah. it is a personnel thing at the end of the day here's here's what i was gonna say sorry i got lost in a train of thought the suns are who they are they've been building the entire season to this there are slight adjustments you can make but i would rather die by the hand of chris paul and devin booker who have steadied the ship this entire way in game six and seven, and it would hurt if it came down to that and they shot 30% from the field or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd rather do that than give the ball to Jay Crowder or Mikhail Bridges a million times and die by them instead. You know, like yeah. you just got to, you got to trust your guys at a certain point, have faith in the system. The Clippers were always the toughest matchup for the Suns offensively. And so much of the way they play defense really boils down to how many shots can Chris Paul and Devin Booker hit so they'll have an opportunity to be heroes in the next game. There will be a role player that could pop, and that could help a lot, uh, especially if it's a guy like Cameron Payne or Cameron Johnson, guys who can create off the dribble. I think at a certain point, Sam, I can tell you adjustments after they've hap- after they've happened. I can explain why, but I mean, this is this is the Western Conference Finals going into a Game Six. I'm not going to be able to predict the proper adjustments that Monty Williams or Ty Lue are going to make. Those guys are basketball geniuses. We're podcasters. Uh, we'll do our best. Uh, blog I'm, boys. We're blog boys. Yep. I'm not exactly sure what they can do, but I can tell you this. After it happens, I'll do my best to try and break it down here on the podcast. We'll be back after game six, hopefully the last game big, of the big, Western Conference Finals. Big, big shout out to all of you who still listen after losses. I know it's not fun. <laughs> I really did not want to do this. I was hoping the series would be over. Um, let's go back to L.A., winning game six, and then hopefully get a decent-sized break still before the finals. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. 
Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.